Okay, cool. Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome. Welcome back this week. Yeah. To Known Unknowns. I'm Carly. I'm Harry. And uh, yeah, we are glad to be back. Yeah. Woo woo. Just had a, a Thanksgiving. What is I? Oh, my birthday. That happened yes. uh, between our last episode and this one. Harry's birthday. Um. What else happened? Thanksgiving. Harry's birthday. Carly had Thanksgiving. <laughs> we both had Thanksgiving. It was. How was your Thanksgiving, Carly? It was good. I really liked it. Did I do a good job? Yeah, we stayed home, made food. Mm-hmm. Harry cooked a turkey. Yeah. The only thing I cooked was like mashed potatoes, and I helped with the mac and cheese. You, yeah, you did, I, and you made the cookies after dinner. I did. I made cookies. You made cookies. You help, yeah. I'm better at baking than you. You are a lot better. But I'm not good at baking at all. No. I like, I burned like the bottom of the like just warm, like brown and serve rolls that I bought. You like, did? Well, they got extra toasted on the bottom. Oh, no. Because I put them, I had the rack on the very bottom of the oven so we would have room for the turkey. But then uh, I didn't move it from down there. So it was like really hot down at the bottom, you know? It's like right above where the heat comes from. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's so, um, probably, since the rack was so low, that's probably why the bottom of the cookies were extra burnt. Probably. Yeah, I was like, why are these cookies getting you're, you're so hot? You were putting them on the bottom rack? No, but the top rack was pretty low as well. Okay. It's about where the bottom rack usually is, oh, the top okay. rack was. So, anyway, um, how was your week, everyone? Good to hear. Good to hear. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds really cool, actually. Tell us about it. Right in. Knownunknownspodcast <laughs> oh, at gmail.com if you had a week. We had a week. It's been a week here at Known Unknowns mm-hmm. Studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. But when is it not a week? I feel like every week we every week tune in and we're like, it's been a week. Every it's week is a week. week. Yeah. I feel like this week has been extra stressful. So that is a reason why we had to kind of cancel last week-ish. I was extra stressed. There were things going yeah. on. <laughs> and it was my birthday. Yeah, it was Harry's birthday. There was just a lot and I was like, eh. We're not doing it. We can't. We don't have time. We don't have the research done. So just canceled. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, what do you want to talk about this week? Um, did you hear about the like the U- the weird monolith then that, that was like just appeared in the Utah desert? The so, weird what? Like no. the, the little the big like metal like you you didn't hear about that at all? No. Like the just the mysterious silver like big piece of metal that. It, Really? Yeah, I didn't hear about this. What the hell? Where have yeah. you been? Uh, uh, let me bring up the New York Times thing on it. I didn't do actually that much. I didn't like learn anything about it. I was like just aware that it was happening, or that it existed. I, I saw oh. the like news story when it showed up, and then uh, yesterday, or yesterday as we're recording this on November twenty eighth, it disappeared again. And, uh, Wait, no, they missed it. They missed the whole explanation oh. of it. You said I didn't do that much research on it. <laughs> oh. So our audio cut out for a second. I'm pretty sure they missed the whole explanation of it. Oh, okay. Because um, you started with, I didn't do that much research on it, but, and then you explained what it was. Oh. 
All right. Well, there's this <laughs> weird monolith found in the middle of the Utah desert. Um, a team surveying bighorn sheep for Utah's wildlife agency found the strange object, 10 to 12 feet tall, embedded in the ground in a remote part of the Red Rock County. It's probably art, officials say. That it's is just so weird. Big three-sided, um, and I guess there's also three-sided, like just a hunk of metal, hunk, big tall column in the middle. In this, yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure it's canyon. just art, but that's weird. It is weird. That'd be weird to find, you know. I know. I don't yeah. think they released where it was or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, look what? at this picture. They're, they're demonstrating how tall it is, I guess. Or I guess maybe they're just looking at the top of it. Oh my god. <laughs> One of the pictures in the New York Times is two, two officials inspecting the monolith for clues. Uh, the mystery <laughs> object has invited comparisons to 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it is a picture of two men in, like, jumpsuits. One just standing on the other's shoulders, um, holding onto the top of the monolith. Oh my god. <laughs> it is very goofy. It is really goofy. No, I haven't heard of I didn't yeah. hear about this. It, that's it's been the the talk of the town. Yeah. You, I didn't hear about it's it. It's a weird just a weird monolith showing up in the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere. It's a cool and then story. it disappears days later. As, as it disappeared? Mis- yeah, it's gone now. <laughs> Wait. As of Wait a second. Because so it first showed up Are on, you serious? Yeah. Um, it first showed up, I think, well, it was first reported in the New York Times on November 24th, and then the Times uh, reported that it had disappeared on the 28th. So, it was discovered November 24th, undiscovered November 28th. Weird. So, I discovered 23rd and then undiscovered 27th, but... That makes it weirder for sure. That, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. It is extremely weird. Yeah. And uh, there's not, there's, I mean, I didn't do any research on it. I was just kind of aware of it, but there, you know, it is, it's mysterious. The point is that there isn't any research to be done on it. No one knows anything about it. No. Yeah. It would just be, hey, this thing was found. Now it's gone. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we'll probably never know anything about it again. I hope what we don't. What a weird thing. Whoa. I know. Huh. Interesting. All right. So that's, uh, was anything else weird going on this week in the world? No, I went on to Twitter and I, today yeah. at work and I was scrolling through and I just saw everyone talking about boxing. Oh yeah. Boxing. Big, boxing. Big boxing match went on, went like, on last night. Why? What about boxing? Who watches boxing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then I heard a bunch of people talking about, um, what's that YouTuber's name? Uh, Jake, Jake Paul. Paul. Yeah. And then he's a boxer. So I'm like, yeah, is that a, what they're a... talking about? Well, But no, there was a big boxing match. But then it's also Jake Paul is now boxing yeah, some random beat, man. He beat and, uh, a, formal, a former NBA player. A former NBA player. Nate Rob- <laughs> I read Nate Robinson. Like the main interview he did with someone. Uh-huh. And he's a he's a dick. I don't know yeah. anything about Jake Paul except for the whole YouTube controversy like a while ago. Uh-huh. Was he the one that went into that forest and? Uh, I mean, he, taped a bunch of stuff that he shouldn't have. He and his brother are. Oh are, yeah, like, there's two both, of them. 
The same. I don't know. I don't, I don't know which one he is which. He just recently threw like a big party and all this and that. And there was some FBI raid in his in his house. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's, yeah, he got the FBI like raided his he's house. He's also a rapper. Did you know that? a bunch that? of guns and stuff. He's not a YouTuber anymore. He's a rapper he's and a boxer. Rapper. Yeah. Oh, I knew he was boxing and stuff. No, he, he... he's also a rapper. He wants his rapping to be more popular. <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> well, so the interviewer person like talked to asked him about a lyric in one of his songs uh-huh. and it said something about how uh he got a got some gun charge um but it's, he paid a million dollars uh paid a million dollars to his lawyer to get it cleared or something <laughs> that's what it something about a gun charge and uh-huh. then paying a lot of money and he goes oh yeah yeah that costs a lot <laughs> and they're like, can you tell us about that? And he goes, oh, no, I, I can't. I can't speak to it. <laughs> uh, no. And then they were like, did you consult your lawyer about putting that lyric into your song? And he goes, oh, no, but I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I Yeah, I know that they're terrible people, but I just I read that interview just because I was like, I don't really know much about this guy. I know he's an asshole, but... And then I read the interview, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's basically all there is to him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then he was, like, talking about how COVID was a hoax, but then in this interview, he's like, I never said that. And then they added an audio clip of him in a different interview saying that COVID was a hoax. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I didn't realize he was, like, a huge... Like, he had, like, 20 million followers or subscribers on YouTube. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But now Freaking he's a bot. Logan Paul. I was just like, who that's gotta be embarrassing to lose to that guy. Who? To lose to lose to an unboxing match to to Jake Paul. I forgot Logan Paul exists. Yeah, to lose in a boxing match to Jake Paul. Yeah. He's like boxing is my life, rapping is my life, you know. And then he's like, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, and I've just been through a lot. And then I read like a tweet, and he's like, "LOL, he grew up in like this place in Ohio, which is one of the biggest, richest suburbs in Ohio." Yeah. And I'm like, yes, so much pain, so much turmoil. Mm-hmm. He must rap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why are you rapping, dude? <laughs> it was weird. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I'm ta- spending so much time on that. That's what I did today at work. I read that interview because <laughs> I read a bunch of stuff about boxing and then I read a bunch of stuff about Jake Paul and I was like, what is happening? So then I looked up Jake Paul boxing and then I found this interview and then I found out that he's boxing. And then mm-hmm. I found out that the boxing stuff was pretty much all separate and then mm-hmm. it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot happening. I was yeah. very confused. This must have been like the first like big boxing match since COVID started, huh? I would I would bet. Yeah. I bet that's why it's such a big deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be happening. Well, yeah, obviously. No sports should, but it's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, guess what, everyone? Guess who Harry got to meet today at Did work? I... Oh, I didn't meet her. Well, you met I her. I saw her. She well, you you interacted within, with like, them. I you lo- interacted with her security. Right. That's right. So you saw her. Yes. Tell them. Uh, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. Isn't that funny? I was like, if only she knew that the man at the front gate letting them go through 
had a Twitter handle that he did or had the, has the Twitter, Twitter display name. Display name. You uh, know? Yeah. I'm like of all people. Harry Lightfoot resigned Sullivan. <laughs> that's what that's what they call me. Uh yeah, I didn't. I was just mad because like uh, the other guy who I was with at the other gate, there's two gates open where we work mm-hmm. to let people through. And the other guy kind of wanted to meet her. <laughs> like he was excited that she would be coming through. And we assumed she'd be coming through that gate, not yours. Mm-hmm. And then you got to see her. And I feel like you were the one who was most like, I don't care. I yeah. don't want to see her. No, she they, they like just snuck by while I was talking to someone else, pretty much. Her, her and her entourage. I didn't have a chance to ask any tough questions. It was very funny because her and her staff actually didn't know about any of the um, COVID guidelines that we have to follow. And they are per her orders that we do this mm-hmm. well state and city guidelines but like some of the orders were put in place like by her and her office and then her and her security staff had no idea what was open and what was closed and what was <laughs> they were like so can you tell us what's going on and i'm like i don't know you made the rules <laughs> I, you're the one we're, we're following it was just so i'm like okay yeah sounds good mm-hmm cool deal i was just so i remember one of my supervisors came up to me and was like her staff didn't even know they had to ask me about like what we were doing covid wise and i'm Mm -hmm. like hmm okay yeah (laughs) it was just really sad but whatever Mm -hmm. the views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of carly or my employer carly's or mine Yeah, if you know where we work, it doesn't reflect the views. (laughs) I feel like we've tried to leave it out, but I feel like we've also mentioned where we work. But yeah, yeah, we should definitely add that. That applies to every episode ever that we've never said that. It Mm -hmm. does not. It does not. Yeah. I feel like what's the most controversial thing we've said on this podcast? Probably a lot. I think about it a lot, and I think about people at work finding out about this and then listening, and we'd get fired immediately. (laughs) Absolutely, we would. Nah. Yeah, Um, we would. We would. uh, Except, yeah. Um, Iran should have a nuke. Um, That's the one uh, thing that our workplace does endorse us saying. Stop it. Harry, stop. No, they don't. (laughs) No, they do not. They don't endorse anything we say. They probably disagree with everything we're saying, and so they especially don't endorse it. Just... Uh, Climate change is real. Um, These these views do not reflect the views of uh, (laughs) our employer. Oh, my gosh. There's technically a thingy that, well, I was given when I was trained, like a blurb Mm -hmm. um, that we're supposed to like basically copy and paste at the bottom of all of our posts or social media, anything that involves where we work. Uh Did you ever get that? Yeah, I feel like I signed something when we started. Yeah, we signed stuff and then they gave us like the blurb that we have to add to it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit on my twitter posts so (laughs) and honestly it's just cute selfies of me at my workplace so i think they endorse that (laughs) yeah they endorse you being cute cute and i was following the rules so i had my mask on Mm -hmm. and all the pics so i think they were fine with it i mean you're not supposed to uh post any pics of yourself in uniform what nuh uh everyone does okay i didn't okay that's what, I th- that's what I thought the rule was. Oh, shoot. 
<laughs> All right. Well, you learn something new every day. Well, I've worked there for three years and I didn't know that. Um, exciting news, I guess, that we're going to be soon doing the podcast full time once our uh, employer finds out we do a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I've definitely never mentioned that to anyone at yeah. <laughs> oh shoot i'll just say where we work i'll bleep it i'll bleep it where's this at uh, 617 16, 16 no what Sixteen seventeen. <laughs> i'm writing this down shit i gotta bleep this Sixteen seventeen. <laughs> all right i've been working so we, hard we, we should get off this okay. we should uh talk about something else uh, yeah should I go into my topic, or should do you want have something else you want to say? No, I think you should get into your topic. Okay, cool. So this week, we're just diving right in. I am <laughs> going to talk about... Will you keep an eye on this to make sure the audio doesn't stop recording? Yes, I will. Okay, great. Um, this week, I'm talking about a cult. Ooh. Uh, cult. A What's col- our... Like a, a baby cult? A uh, baby horse? A young... No. No, that's a foal. What was our cult? What's um, a cult? Is a cult a young horse? A horse, a colt, uh, I don't know. What? So what's the, <laughs> what was our thing, colt, uh, um, colt, not colt corner, it's conspiracy corner. Yeah, the colt, colt, uh, not creature couch, nope. colt, uh, cr- colt crater. Maybe that was, was that it? No, but I, I like it. We're going to take a cult, dive cult, into the colt crater. Colt crater. Dive into the cult crater, everyone. I don't remember what we used for cult. Cult storage. Um, No. Okay. Cult crater. I like it. Cult. All right. So I am doing. Okay. So have you ever heard of the cult? (laughs) This was off to a really good start. Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah. um, Have you ever heard of the exclusive brethren? Brethren. No, I have not heard of the exclusive brethren. Or the Plymouth uh, brethren. Something like that. It's not. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the exclusive brethren, but which is like a branch of like a different, the brethrens, basically. There's open brethrens, exclusive brethrens, oh. some other kind of brethrens, uh, but I'm talking about the exclusive. The ultra-exclusive brethrens. The exclusive brethrens. I found an article, so my uh, sources are, I found a good article in L.com. It was someone who, which I'll get to at the end, it was a woman who wrote about her, I'm going to tell a story of a woman who grew up in the cult. Mm. And then Wikipedia, The Guardian, and then apologeticsindex.org. And then also the Brethren's um, official website, which I don't remember what that is. They recently changed the website. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it's controversial to what they believe in, but we'll get into it. Okay. So... The beliefs of the exclusive brethren have Mm -hmm. been uh, much in common with, they have much in common with um, the evangelical Christian groups, most Mm -hmm. evangelical groups. So basically, very basic, basic, basic. Um, They believe the Bible is inspired and literal word of God. Uh, Mm -hmm. People are saved only by faith in Christ. Uh, God is a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Also, this sounds pretty normal. Christ will return soon, which is a very big um, thing that they teach. Christ will return soon. However, some of their beliefs are um, different from other Christian 
standards, like evangelical Christian standards. So this is a quote from someone uh, in the exclusive. So the BBC did a did a like an interview with someone who works in the bre- the exclusive brethren okay um or uh no yeah yeah so it, the source is the exclusive brethren the bbc so yeah they did like an interview with someone maybe it was jim taylor no no this isn't is. one of the guys who just a so this is a quote from the guy who was interviewed for by the BBC. Okay. Some, <laughs> oh God. Some representative. Um, Jim Taylor taught that Jesus was human when he was born and did not become fully divine until later. So this these are this is stuff some stuff that kind of differs. Okay. Um, from it. the regular Christian standard Christian beliefs because mm-hmm. like you believe that you know he was always like a divine being or whatever. Right. So yeah, he taught that Jesus was human when he was born and did not fully uh become fully divine until later either when he was 12 or at his baptism mm-hmm. this is quite different from mainstream christian beliefs which say that jesus was always fully god and fully man right that um, is different yeah so the exclusive brethren is the name given um, by outsiders, actually, of the group. They don't, like, mm. call themselves the exclusive brethren, uh, okay. apparently. Um, to those among the so-called Plymouth brethren, who in the mid-19th century joined John Nelson Darby. So the or- origin story of these brethren cult groups, mm-hmm. they were originally the Plymouth Brethren, okay. and it was formed by John Nelson Darby right. in 1800 to 1882. That's a, no, the, the Plymouth Brethren, that's how long they lasted. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I believe after that they broke off into separate groups. That's when they splintered. Mm-hmm. In forming a Christian fellowship, which they believed to be based on strict biblical principles. Okay. The term exclusive was applied because these brethren's main, these Brethren maintained that it was essential for those who believed in the truth to separate from all others and to admit to their breaking of bread. Only those who agreed in all uh, doctrinal matters and who subjected themselves to the same social and moral discipline. So they didn't necessarily believe that in the Plymouth Brethren. It was just Just, the exclusive brethren. That's what they believe in. You can only interact with other exclusive brethren. Right brethren people yeah, that's why it's exclusive and you don't invite op- like it's not open to the public like the open brethren right where just group. anyone can be a, a brethren yeah i believe so i didn't look into that <laughs> well uh the first beginnings of the brethren movement occurred in the 1820s okay. so the brethren movement okay so and it got popular i see when darby then an an anglican and angelican Clergyman mm-hmm. in the Church of Ireland began meeting with others who shared his serious doubts about the validity of Anglican orders. Oh, I think 1800 to 82 is just when Darby lived, when Nelson Darby lived. Oh, yeah, that's true. That, that sounds like a yeah, lifetime yeah. of a person. That is the lifetime of a person. Yeah, so it, ha- it started in the 1820s. Okay. Oops. <laughs> um, in, uh, okay, so... Serious orders, indeed, about the biblical warrant of any sort of clerical class. Okay. So they didn't believe in, like, clerical classes. (laughs) And there's, like... Hierarchies in the church. I see. Got it. Yeah. 
these early brethren were men of education and social position. Twelve of the earliest brethren were, or were training to be, Anglican clergymen in England and Ireland. Mm -hmm. Five were ministers in nonconformist churches. A number had private means, including five with titles, and another eight were, or had been, commissioned officers. Mm -hmm. Um, They were... were people they were they were they were people they were dudes yes. there were some serious dudes yeah so i know part of like the brethren um whatever cult the exclusive brethren or maybe before they broke off they didn't have any kind of like leader mm-hmm. like obviously they right. worshiped god but they didn't have a leader i mean so yeah, there wasn't like sense. a pastor or like a clergyman just the men would preach basically because mm-hmm. women weren't allowed to um Okay, so there's a little bit of a clerical... Well, <laughs> well, yeah. To a little bit us, of a hierarchy there. To us, right. not to them. Um, yeah, so the early brethren believed that by separating from what they regarded as the unwarranted and un- unlegitimated system, which is not a word, unlegitimated, I think it's like illegitimate system, not unlegitimated system. Well, yeah. That was represented by the organization of churches. They possessed an adequate basis for the unity of all properly motivated Christians. Initially, they saw no need for any but the simplest pattern of organization, and their separation from all existing churches was not conceived as a negative decision, but rather as the only basis on which the unity of true Christians could be established. Uh huh. So they had a very loose yeah. organization, mm-hmm. and they just didn't interact with other churches. Right. Like many other movements that uh, came to be regarded as Mm-hmm. Uh, the brethren began with a profound and deeply anti-sectarian sectarian sentiment, and they still reject the designation sect. Okay. They sought to restore what they saw as the biblical pattern of order, which would allow them to live in conformity with the will of God, uh, and which had been corrupted by the development of the uh, something systems of existing churches okay (laughs) this word um the ecclesiastical ecclesiastical the movement split in the 1840s so it actually only lasted 20 years before they split um, on the question of the closed table and darby's party became known as exclusive in contrast to those brethren who imposed no such test for admission to the communion table thereafter known as open brethren Right. So. Sure. Assholes, and then even bigger assholes, <laughs> what we call them. So what does exclusive mean exactly? Because uh, we're means... talking about the exclusive brethren, right. okay? They're, I feel like it's a bigger movement, and it's more harsh, so that's why you hear about it. And there's actually been a lot of famous people who grew up in brethren, the exclusive brethren church. You know, uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix or something, uh-huh. I believe he grew up. He he grew up in a cult. I believe it was the exclusive brethren, like him and his family. Uh-huh. I could be wrong. It could be a different cult. I was okay. reading about celebrities who grew up in cults. Yeah. And Joaquin Phoenix and his family was one of them. And I believe it was exclusive brethren, but I'm not sure. Which would explain a lot about him if he grew up in a cult. Can mm. you look that up? Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Because, uh, yeah, I'd heard that he was grew up in some cult early life. Mm-hmm. Um, did you look up Joaquin Phoenix cult? Uh, the 
the marriage. Um, oh, maybe uh, it wasn't the no, it was, it was Children of God. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the other big one. A lot of like celebrities grew up in either Exclusive Brethren or Children of God. Ah, a Family International is mm-hmm. also the Children of God. I feel like I've gone over the children of God. Maybe not. I don't think so. Okay. They all sound the same to me. (laughs) Anyway, there were a lot of uh, actual, there was actually a lot of, the the main one on the list of actors and celebrities that I was reading who grew up in cults was the exclusive brethren. That's why I decided to look into it. Mm -hmm. Or like a lot of people who grew up became famous (laughs) after this. So, uh, you know. I guess if it's relatively, a, I should say, relatively speaking, <laughs> it, sure. among the actors who grew up or celebrities, I should say, who grew up in a cult, exclusive brethren was the main one I found, and children of God, but mm-hmm. exclusive brethren. So, the exclusive brethren churches have a rigid code of behavior and rules, governing anything from contact with outsiders to the length of one's hair, or the approved colors of the scarves worn by female members. Interesting. Are you listening to me? Yes. Okay. The doctrine of separation from iniquity or separation from sin makes the exclusive brethren unique. It has two parts. Okay. Members must avoid anything sinful. Sounds pretty sounds, sounds pretty, pretty normal unique. for a for a thing, mm-hmm. for a Christian mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Don't don't sin. Probably And members that's the, probably number one commandment, right? Yeah, so members must keep away from any person or group that does not follow exclusive brethren teaching, including other Christians. So if there's any group that says you should sin, you can't hang out with them. Members of the exclusive brethren do not make friends or even eat with people outside their church. Non-members are called, do you want to guess? Uh, It's kind of easy. I guess you didn't grow up in any kind of church setting, so you probably wouldn't know. Worldlies. They're called uh, worldlies. Oh, okay. Because in church, they teach you about worldly temptations in the oh, Christian church. They te- yeah, yeah, they're like, don't right. give in to worldly temptations or worldly people. So I guess it makes sense that worldlies would be their nickname. Hmm. Uh, families do not have televisions, mm-hmm. radios, or computers. So why do they have a website? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Or go to the cinema or theater. Members marry other members. Divorce is rare. Children are often educated within the brethren community, although many brethren children do attend mainstream schools, mainly back in the day. Now they kind of just have their own schools. Um, Mm. This other woman, this woman that I'm going to talk about at the end of the story, went to a regular school. Okay. But it was like in the 60s. Mm Exclusive brethren meeting halls exclude the world to the extent of having no windows. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Members who uh, do something against the exclusive code are required to confess their sin during church meetings and demis- demonstrate their repentance. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Repentance. If they it's don't, like a... they are withdrawn from, i.e. no member of the group will speak, work, or eat with them. Oof. They are withdrawn from. That sucks. Uh, members of the exclusive brethren are very limited in their contact with outsiders, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, another quote from this person who interviewed with the BBC. Many exclusive brethren work in brethren-owned companies in order to reduce contact with outsiders. If they leave or are expelled from the brethren, they have to give up their jobs as well as their family and their home. Sucks. Oof. This does sound like a very 
Well, just the the, the withdrawn from uh, phrase. It does sound like a very uh, British upper class kind of cult. <laughs> It is, yeah. yeah. He's been withdrawn from. Withdrawn Not from. He's been kicked out of the cult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. So that's like the basics of it, but we'll hear more about um, Rebecca Scott. Have you ever heard of Rebecca Scott? I don't she's think an so. author, an award winning one as well. Oh, she's, a very, okay. she's a famous author. I don't know. Maybe I've heard of her. So she has a, she has a great article in Elle. Okay. Uh, what life is like growing up in a cult. That's what it's called. Okay. What's, what's life? So, we're going to talk about, yeah, Rebecca Scott and her experience growing up in the Exclusive Brethren. Okay. You ready to hear her story? Yeah, I'm interested. So, every Sunday at 5.30 a.m., Rebecca and her family would sit through a four-hour-long meeting. Every weekday, a one-hour-long meeting. Oof. Yeah. She would sit in the back with the women while she listened to the grown men, including her father and grandfather, preach. She claims that by the time she was six years old, she had sat through, guess how many hours of Bible study? Six years old. Six years old, 365 days in a year, um, a, I don't know, 20,000. Okay, no, 3,000. <laughs> 3,000 hours of Bible study, which is still a That's lot a at six. Because yeah. you have one four-hour meeting and then six one hour meeting, so you have ten hours a week. That's crazy. Is that right? That's math. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Six hours right. a week. Ten hours. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a ton. Probably more though than that. You're probably doing more than just the meetings, like biblical stuff, so that's too much. Rebecca had to stay separate from the world because they believe outsiders are run by the devil. Uh, yeah, the brethren are. stick to a strict code of rules in order to prepare for the rapture. Okay. So this is why I was like, oh, they talk about God coming soon. This is like a big teaching. They <laughs> like consistently prepare for the rapture. Uh, their group, they believe their group will be lifted from earth before the earth plunges into chaos, which I feel like is a pretty... Um, yeah, so yeah. most evangelical Christians mm-hmm. believe that. They don't recruit people. They have big families and send their children to brethren schools uh, to minimize their contact with the outside world. When Rebecca was growing up in the 60s, -hmm. she went to ordinary schools, but they were told to separate themselves and not to talk to worldly children. And then she also mentioned that um, even if she were to talk to other worldly mm. children she wouldn't even know where to begin because she hadn't even seen a tv like mm, sure you know she, they were they would talk about tv or books and she wasn't allowed to read books or Ugh. she was only around, allowed to read the bible so she they weren't allowed to read books watch tv listen to the radio so she wouldn't have known what to do anyway rebecca was taught that non-members were being controlled by satan via radios newspapers tv and pop music yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, have you heard Ariana Grande? Yeah, satanic Talks about fucking. shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mornings began with prayer and Bible reading. She even learned to read with the Bible because most books were prohibited. So she learned to read with the Bible. She's probably a really good reader. <laughs> I don't even know how to read the Bible. <laughs> Brethren. Right to, left to right. Shit. I said right to left. Damn it. Yeah, you're dumb. You didn't learn to read. read with the Bible. No. 
Brethren, girls, and women wore hats, ribbons, or headscarves to demonstrate their subjection to men and God. They were also not allowed to cut their hair, and they had to wear it down their backs. Man. So they weren't allowed to cut their hair ever. That's disgusting. Why not? (laughs) It's my question. Friggin' Nelson, whoever guy, friggin' had a thing for hair. Yes, so. Um, between meetings and readings, Rebecca and the and uh, the other children laughed and played uh, games just like any other children. But Rebecca said she was often angry and frustrated with the whole situation she was in. Uh, she would think to herself, "Quote: Would I have to get married and be silently obedient like the brethren women? Why wasn't yeah. anyone asking any questions?" I didn't dare ask. That would get me in big trouble. Oh, End yeah. quote. Grown-ups were terrified of being thrown out as well, she said. I bet. If someone was discovered with a radio, didn't have enough money, didn't give enough money to the collection, ooh, or ask questions about the rules, they would be kicked out and they wouldn't see their family ever again. There were, they were forced confessions, breakdowns, and suicides, she said. That's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I quote, I knew I wasn't going to be saved in the rapture because of the questions that constantly spun around my head. If radios were wicked, then why did my father keep one hidden in the back of his car and listen to the cricket on it? Did the Lord know about that? Was I supposed to denounce my father for the radio? End quote. <laughs> That's really sad. Yeah, it you think is. about that, you know. Rebecca often this story is kind of about like her and her dad, kind of okay. as we get on more with it. So it's honestly a really sad story, is... but good for her. I mean, she got out of it and she ended up being a great person. So okay, uh, Rebecca often worried about what she would do when the grown-ups disappeared in the rapture. She was little. Uh, how would she get to high ground before the tidal waves came? How would she stay away from Satan's people? Rebecca began to steal and hide tins of corned beef and baked beans under her bed to prepare for when the grown-ups would be taken up into the sky, leaving her to face the terrors of Armageddon. Because she didn't believe she was going to get oh, right. brought up because she was she's, a, she's a sinner. She right. thought, you know, she had questions running through her head, so mm. she didn't think she was going to be included in that. So that's why she was kind of preparing to be left behind, which is sad for like an eight-year-old to think about but whatever yeah oh i guess she was younger than eight because when she was eight the family left the brethren the elderly brethren leader called the man of god was found in bed with one of the married sisters so that caused a huge controversy in the exclusive brethren so eight thousand brethren around the world including Rebecca's immediate family, left and formed a splinter group. So her family <laughs> had actually even been... Even more exclusive, brethren. I know, I know. Her family, I believe, had actually been a part of the brethren group for, like, years and years and years and years, like, even the family before her immediate uh-huh. family. Um, so eventually her parents actually left altogether and tried other churches. Mm-hmm. Her father, at first... Anguished soon discovered the joy of theater, literature, and music. He brought home a TV and even took them to the cinema to see a re-release of Gone with the Wind. Rebecca calls, quote, I remember stepping across the threshold of the cinema holding my mother's hand, certain the sky was going to fall. <laughs> End quote. Aww. It's really sad. 
Yeah. Think about how traumatizing that has to be to go from being like locked up in this little building, basically hearing about how the world would basically make you. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know how it was so bad, and then you're just immediately plunged back into the real, or not even back into. You're just plunged into the real world. Yeah, and then. Yeah, she said her parents never, like, explained anything to her. It just happened. We're we're sinning. We're sinners now. Yeah, it wasn't like a, oh, so this is why we left. She found out, like, later why Mm -hmm. the reason was. But at 12, her parents separated. Her mother worked several jobs and took in lodgers to keep food on the table. For a while, she stopped talking to her father. She was furious with him for leaving the family and not explaining anything. She found her way back to him when she was 14 and he had been and he was addicted to gambling. Uh she he would smuggle her into casinos on her school lunch breaks by bi- bribing the doorman. <laughs> At 16, he drove her all over the country to see plays and movies on their long car rides. They would talk about poetry and recite their favorite verses from poetry, music, God, morality, and Shakespeare a lot. Hmm. Her dad really loved theater. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, When she would ask about the brethren, it was obvious he was still struggling to understand what had happened. And he was always furious about being tricked into Mm -hmm. this whole thing. Yeah. Which is really sad because it's brainwashing. So you shouldn't beat yourself up. But then when you look back on it, it's like, how could I be so dumb, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I feel bad. At 17, her father was arrested and sent to prison for fraud and embezzlement. That's a bummer. I know. It's really sad. Sucks. So she ended up going to university at 18 to become a writer, and she gave birth to her first son during her second year of university, and she actually explains that she decided she wanted to have a kid, so she got pregnant. She wanted to get pregnant when she did. Because um, she wanted to start a family and start her whole new life mm-hmm. and start over again with a fresh family that she would treat well, okay. which is really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, <laughs> she has some good, she wrote some good stuff. Okay. Growing up with the brethren has made me skeptical of anyone who claims to have absolute answers or of systems with absolute rules. Even now, I still have to remind myself that time isn't about to run out, that I'm not being watched, and that the sky is not about to fall in on me. I heard other ex-brethren describe these feelings, too. I live in houses built on hills, and I avoid watching TV footage of flooding. They remind me of the apocalyptic images the brethren instilled in us. Um, uh, So, Rebecca Mm -hmm. uh, now has three children. And she encourages them to think for themselves, to ask questions, and for and to stand up when they see something unfair. So I'll end it with what she ended her article with, because okay. it was good. She's a good writer. She is an award-winning author. <laughs> My father died before he had answers to the questions that tormented him for decades. How did a group of decent, godly people turn into a cult? How did he get duped like that? In his last days, I promised him that I'd try to figure out our shared history, take his unfinished memoir, and write my own book. I owed it to him, to my own children, and to all the women currently living in a cult against their will to show that it's okay to talk. 
but I also owed it to the small girl in the headscarf and the plaited hair and endless questions she could never ask. Only after trying to find those answers have I been able to draw a line under my childhood and find closure. Hmm. And that's the story of Rebecca Scott. And the exclusive brethren. And the exclusive brethren. Okay. Was her name Rebecca Scott? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I forgot her last name for a second. I <laughs> called her Rebecca, which isn't proper writing, but you know. Yeah, well, whatever. This isn't an essay, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so how do you feel about that? Uh, I feel, I feel bad. I do not, uh, I don't want to be in that cult. I do not want to be a brethren. There are still, they, uh, about 50,000 exclusive brethren in the world. It's not very exclusive to me. There's 50,000 of them. There's different sects. But they don't like the word sects. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what made 8,000 of them leave. Not sex. Sects. Sects. Anyway, what are you talking about this week? Um, I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about electricity. Electricity. The Elton Um, John song, or I don't know if he, it was a cover of, a cover of something that he sang. I I never know. Anything that Elton John sings, I think it's just his, so. Electricity. Would you would you say that electricity plays oh. a big role in your life, Carly? Yeah, it's happening right now. Yeah, I know. We're yeah, you're listening to this podcast due to electricity, due yeah. to telecommunications, due to due to satellites, probably in some way. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. And uh, how would you feel if uh, there there wasn't any electricity anymore? It just up and uh, went away one day. I would feel bad. I wouldn't like it. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. The electricity is everywhere. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm going to talk about uh, something. I don't remember what my idea what for a segue was for this uh, this little intro or why All it was right. an intro. But uh, to start the story, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we okay. need to go back in time uh, to a time when the most common use for electricity, uh, when it wasn't so... Uh, popular so in our so the, the, it's so important to our lives as it one as it is today uh-huh. uh, when the most common use for it or pretty much the only use was uh, was the telegraph um, mm. um, so on the night of August 28th 1859 mm-hmm. uh, telegraph lines across North America went dead uh, they they became overloaded with electrical current um, uh, from a history.com article, um, E.W. Culgan, a telegraph manager in Pittsburgh, reported that the resulting currents flowing through the wires were so powerful that platinum contacts were in danger of <laughs> melting and streams of fire were pouring forth from the circuits. Oh my gosh. Um, tele- telegraph things all look over the country uh in washington dc telegraph operator frederick w royce was severely shocked as his forehead grazed a ground wire um, according to a witness an arc of fire jumped from royce's head to the telegraphic equipment uh, some telegraph stations that used chemicals to mark sheets reported that powerful surges caused telegraph paper to combust and start fires in the offices all all over the world. Wow. The telegraphs were going haywire. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I know. Okay. Um, 
Well, whatever the cause of that event, mm-hmm. it repeated itself a few days later. On as on September second, um, when American Telegraph Company employees arrived at their Boston office at eight a.m., they discovered it was impossible to transmit or receive dispatches. Um, the atmosphere was so charged, however, that operators made an incredible discovery. Uh-huh. Uh, they could unplug their batteries and still transmit messages to Portland, Maine at 30 to 90 second interviews using only the like atmospheric like electricity that's just in, in the air, basically. Um, oh. it, message couldn't be sent as seamlessly as under normal conditions, but it was a useful workaround. Uh, and by 10 a.m., the magnetic disturbance uh, abated enough that stations re- reconnected their batteries, uh, but transmissions were still affected for the rest of the morning. Hmm. Okay. Um, so these telegraph disturbances uh, uh-huh. were part of what came to be called uh, the Carrington event. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. It's named for uh, a British amateur astronomer, um, Richard Carrington. Um, he was he was the first uh, person to link the the telegraphic uh, il- dis- disruptions with other electromagnetic events, which I'll get into in a second, mm-hmm. and his own observations that he made around the same time to link all those things together and figure out what the cause was. Um, so on September first, eighteen fifty nine, um, Carrington was looking at the sun. Uh, through the telescope in his home observatory, um, and he was observing and sketching sunspots, which are just uh, spots on the sun, spots spots <laughs> low on the sun. low solar activity areas, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, but then suddenly, he spotted quote two patches of intensely bright and white light, what <laughs> um, erupting from the sunspots. Uh, five minutes later, the fireballs vanished. Um, at the same time, another am- amateur astronomer, Richard Hodgson, also independently observed and recorded the flash of light. Whoa. Um, what Carrington and Hodgson did was make the earliest recorded observation of a solar flare. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Wait, did this affect the electricity? Yeah. Shoot. So it was caused cool. by... A enormous like solar flare and coronal mass ejection. Uh, mass ejection. I don't like that. <laughs> a CME. Uh, just so a <laughs> so a sunspot. They they some they tend to eventually like an energy builds up there and it explodes out of the sun. All of these like all of these like ionized particles and little stuff and it comes out of the sun and that's a a solar flare, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't always come with CMEs and stuff. Mass, <laughs> Mass ejection. <laughs> um, but they, you know, and then it sends stuff through space. The ionized electromagnetic, like, particles and Does stuff. Does that still happen today? Yeah, they, like, happen, like, I mean, solar flares and Does it stuff affect stuff like hap- that? Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. I that, figured you'd talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, what, part of what it is, is um, how, how much do you know about the, the aurora, the, the northern and the southern lights, the aurora borealis and australis? N- nothing. I think I have a nail polish called Aurora, and it changes colors. Yeah, well, so the, the, the you know the northern lights. You're, you're yeah. aware of what those are. Yeah, obviously. like the one in the uh, 
Polar Express? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Nothing. So the, the Northern Lights are caused by... Um, are basically the Earth's electromagnetic field oh, interacting with like ionized like part or particles coming in from space yeah, and I think, stuff. I think I knew about so this. It's basic, I'm not that like, dumb. The uh, it's our you know it's like you you can visually see like our like protective shield from the sun at work basically, like whenever because solar flares like That's happen cool. all the time. All the like time. Little, yeah. And, little you know, ones. Little stuff comes out of the sun. You know, and ra- solar wind and things are mm-hmm. always happening. Um, the sun scares me a lot. Yeah? Yeah. It's kind of scary. Like, if it just explodes, we're done. <laughs> yeah. That's freaky. We don't know anything about the sun either. That's why I'm like, it could just shoot fireballs one day at us and we could die. <laughs> Do you ever think I mean, about that? We don't know, though, because we don't know anything about the sun. I, I guess you're so right. So it could happen. Anything guess, is possible maybe. when it comes to the sun. <laughs> I, I guess... I don't really know what we do and don't know about the sun. We don't know anything. Yeah, you're pr- okay. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't either. Okay. So we don't know anything. Nope. Um, yeah. So, again, from the History Channel. Um, uh, when, when telegraphs did come back online, many were filled with vivid accounts of the celestial light show that had been witnessed the night before. Um, newspapers from France to Australia featured glowing descriptions of brilliant auroras that had turned night into day. Uh, one eyewitness account from a woman on Sullivan's Island in South Carolina uh, ran in the Char- Charleston Mercury. Um, the eastern sky appeared of a blood-red color. It seemed brightest exactly in the east as, the, as though the full moon, or rather the sun, were about to rise. It extended almost to the zenith. Uh, the whole island was illuminated. The sea reflected the phenomenon, and no one could look at it without thinking of the passage in the Bible which says, The sea was turned to blood. Oh. The shells on the beach reflecting light resembled coals of fire. So it, in South Carolina, the northern lights could be seen. It's extremely bright, in the, like bright red in the middle of the night Hmm. um on the night of september 1st to 2nd the southern lights were seen as far north as santiago chile uh the northern lights were seen from observatories in havana cuba and even honolulu hawaii and columbia gosh yeah um uh, thinking it was morning birds awoke and began singing all over the world like at one in the morning oh my god um people (laughs) were confused too masons in abbeville south carolina and gold miners in the rocky mountains got up in the middle of the night and started preparing breakfast before they realized it wasn't actually uh, actually morning yet think about how all of those people and how grumpy they were because they're (laughs) like i'm so freaking tired i'm so tired like i got like three hours of sleep oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, people crowded the streets and cities around the world looking up at the light show. Um, in New England, the aurora was so bright, was bright enough to read the newspaper by. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the Carrington event was what's called a geomagnetic storm, um, which is what happens when there's a solar flare and the coronal mass ejection uh, hits the earth and is strong enough to cause like disturbances in the earth's like geomagnetic the field and stuff geomagnetic conditions um and it it remains the strongest one on record um in fact from ice core data it's twice as strong as any other storm in the last 500 years um 
gosh. But yeah, as I said, <laughs> solar flares happen all the time. And the sun goes in cycles of activity that last for about 11 years where it gets, it's like calm for a little while, then it builds up some more activity and then it goes back down. Like every 11 years, it mm. kind of goes through that cycle. Uh, so what I'm saying is the Carring a Carrington level event uh, could easily happen again and have far more catastrophic event. Uh, uh, oh. Um, uh, effects that's the word I'm thinking of. <laughs> and we have no way we don't we we, can, we we have no idea when that's gonna happen that's why the sun is scary i know uh so we, we've had we've had tastes of what could happen and little close calls here and there okay um like in the in the 20s and in the 60s there were um solar storms that uh kind of interrupted radio um tra transmissions um for a little little bits and pieces um, in August 1972, a series of flares and solar storms caused disruptions to electrical and communications networks mm. and rendered at least one satellite permanently inoperable and caused several U.S. Navy magnetic influence sea mines in North Vietnam to detonate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, in March of 1989, a geomagnetic storm uh, caused the collapse of the Hydro-Quebec power grid in seconds as equipment pro equipment protection relays tripped in a cascading sequence um six million people were left without power for nine hours um the storm caused auroras as far south as texas uh, in that event um in 2003 an event called the halloween solar storms occurred halloween solar <laughs> um, storms uh, between October 19th and November 5th of that year, uh, satellite-based systems and communications were affected. Uh, aircraft were advised to avoid high altitudes near the polar regions. Um, and a one-hour-long power outage occurred in Sweden as a result of the uh, auroral activity. Um, well, and I astronauts aboard this. the International Space Station had to stay inside the more shielded parts of the Russian orbital segment to protect themselves against the increased uh, radiation levels. That's scary. That is scary. Well, I don't remember this happening. Um, it was probably like five. Yeah, I don't really remember that either. Um, uh, in 2012, um, a Carrington-level geomagnetic storm was detected, but the ejection narrowly missed Earth and dissipated harmlessly into space. Isn't that when the world was supposed to end? It was supposed to end in 2012. Well, we missed it. We did. Yeah, I know. It, 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 or it missed us. Yeah. Um, so... But what if a storm like the Carrington event uh, were to hit Earth today? Um, I don't know. So from National Geographic, um, solar storms aimed at Earth come in three stages, oh. um, not all of which occur in any given storm. First, high-energy sunlight, mostly X-rays and ultraviolet light, ionizes Earth's upper atmosphere, interacting with, interfering with radio communications. Next comes a radiation storm, potentially dangerous to unprotected astronauts. Um, finally comes a coronal mass ejection, or mm -hmm. CMA, a slower, a slower moving cloud of charged particles that can take several days to reach Earth's atmosphere. Um, when a CME hits, the solar particles can interact with Earth's magnetic field to produce powerful electromagnetic fluctuations. Huh. Um, so satellite communications would just be would like be taken out for a while, and yeah. who knows how many would be like completely. Um, rendered inoperable, um, so there'd be uh, immediately no no GPS navigation, no credit card transactions, no satellite radio, uh, 
no, 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 nothing that needs a satellite could happen for some some unknown amount of time. Um, uh, a 2007 NASA report what? estimated 30 to 70 billion dollars worth of damage to the world's satellite fleet would occur. Um, cell phone reception would be uh, would be interrupted. Um, landlines would probably go down too. Um, the the damage to the electrical grid um, is really what would be the the most costly thing and probably the most have the most effect on everything. Yeah. Um, the oh insurance gosh. market of Lloyd's of London, in collaboration with the Atmospheric and Environmental Research um, in the United States, used data from the Carrington event to estimate the cost of a similar event in the present electrical grid in the U.S. Um, and in the U.S. alone, um, the damage would be 0. 0.6 to $2.6 trillion uh, to the electrical grid. Just to the electrical grid. Just to the electrical Not like grid, the, yeah. None of the like ancillary things that are related to that. Um, other estimates put the total damage for the first year of the calamity at $20 trillion U.S. dollars worldwide. Um, the main cost so the main cost in that is the big like power transformers that's like the main thing that would melt down and be the most difficult to fix and replace like the you know so you know like outside of town sometimes you'll see like these big like fenced off areas where there are like these big electrical things you know mm -hmm. going on where like all the high high tension lines go in and that's where the power yeah. is converted to low voltage yeah so to be useful, those things are, those transformers are like really specially made and stuff. They like, there's not like a factory somewhere that makes all of them. They're all like handmade by like super specialized electrician, electricians. Oh my gosh. Would, would take like one and a half to two years to make one if you like order one today. So I better not live through this because I don't want to. Um, yeah. So if like... So that's like the thing that would take the, so that means like 50 million people would be without power for up to two years, <laughs> at, or at least, when depending the on. the apocalypse happens. Mm-hmm. Swear to God, if I have to live through a pandemic and this. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be so upset. I mean, hopefully they don't happen at the same time. Um, oh my God, it could happen now? It could. It's not, I think we're in a fairly low solar activity. We're, we're near the end of the solar cycle right now. Uh, they tend to happen more in like the, the middle stages of it. Um, so what year possible? Um, so the 2012 big one was near the like, it's on like four or five years, three to five years maybe. You'd be, for a th new there'd one be possible? a potential for big solar activity. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but I mean, they rarely can happens. happen at any time. Yeah. It's just, these tend to be the cycles that the sun goes in, um, where on average more things happen, but it's not like it's unheard of. So anyway, um, the, the podcast outside in from NHPR, um, New Hampshire public radio likened, uh, geomagnetic storms on the Carrington event scale to the coronavirus pandemic call uh, calling them both black swan events mm -hmm. um you know thing things that seem like so astronomically unlikely um in which we are like but we're like totally unprepared for them yeah. <laughs> um, um but you know in retrospect we probably should have known that there was a possibility that this could happen that we could have been prepared for it which um, one like 
both, like the coronavirus oh. or yeah. a <laughs> geomagnetic occurrence. Um, um, but but also over the past like decade or so, I mean, pop culture has been tapping into our dependence on like global communications networks and our fragile power grid mm -hmm. and our unpreparedness to live without them on some level. Um, you know, like um, the 2014 survival video game, The Long Dark, takes place in a version of northern Canada in the immediate aftermath of a major geomagnetic event that wipes out all electricity. <laughs> oh. Um, except it turns wow. temporarily with the Aurora Borealis. Or you know, the short-lived 2012 NBC drama Revolution takes place... Um, is set 15 years after some event that permanently wiped out all electricity on Earth and led to the collapse of society. Or like the, the you know, one of the major features of features of the uh, the zombie apocalypse craze was like the, the, uh, the electrical grid is gone and there's no more technology anymore. Honestly, that'd be so scary though because then it's like, the politician people <laughs> wouldn't even be able to get messages out to us. <laughs> I know. The, the so emergency be... alert system would be like useless done would <laughs> sirens go off at all that would feel scary but would sirens go off could that happen uh not if they're those electrically are, are those powered yeah not if they're electrical man it would just be like i don't even know what i would do well you'd have the northern lights to read to have light if you if you needed that <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd have light at least how for a would few I nights. keep my food good? Uh, don't don't open the fridge. But then, how does food get made at high volume if there's no electricity? It's a good question. All the food is gonna run out. Yeah. I need to start preparing. <laughs> I need to become a doomsday well, prepper. I mean, you know, these the the as I said, the Carrington event was like the the biggest one in the last five hundred years. And it'll probably be at least another five hundred years before anything like that happens again. It's not like you know, it's not it's not caused by climate change, so it's not like one of these other like weather events that can just that would become more frequent and stuff. You know, it's 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 independent of anything that goes on on Earth. So no matter no matter how much we fuck up the world here, we're not going to be able to. It's it's not going to uh, hasten our uh, a, a Carrington event type of storm on. Okay, well. I, so I, I, I should be prepping for it. I don't think you really need to worry about it too much. I'm gonna start packing jugs of dry food that I can eat. <laughs> I will be hoarding food now. Well, I mean, uh, something they did say on that um, uh, Outside In episode was that it would only cost, like, about a billion dollars to, like, upgrade our electrical grid to be more resistant to this kind of a, a, um, oh. event. I mean, it's, they're not going to do it because uh, it costs a billion dollars. That's not that much. Yeah, I know. There's people who have, like, 17 of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. They give up one. One billion. I don't know. I, uh, maybe maybe something happens to you when you get a billion dollars that you, you realize how important it is. <laughs> mm -hmm.
Yeah, maybe. How, how significant having a billion dollars could be. Yeah, possibly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. well. Um, Is so that that's, what you got? Yeah, that's that's the doom and gloom for me. Oh, shit. Uh, we're all going to die. Yeah. And, uh, without, without, even, without even our phones to keep us company. Man. All right, well. That's the end of it. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a podcast, huh? Yeah, it has. Good topics this week. Good topics. I agree. Good good up. Um, good up. Good up. Good up. <laughs> anyway, um, I've been Harry. I'm still Carly. And this has been. What has this been? What has this been? Uh, uh, uh known unknowns. <laughs> Stay frosty. <laughs> The snowman. Because <laughs> it's weird out there. Bye. Bye.